0: It's not easy to capture what it's like being a kid on paper. Those years are such a nonstop magical time, but kids also have to balance their own sense of reality with the ones that adults impose on them. Michigan artist and illustrator Rose Busamra depicts this moment beautifully in the Eisner Award-winning middle-grade graphic novel Frizzy. The story, which was written by Claribel Ortega, is about a girl named Marleni, who decides to stop straightening her natural curls. Today, the magic of illustrations and the joy in stories that embrace who we are. This is
1: Stateside. I'm April Bear. Marleni is our protagonist. She is a Dominican kid living in the Bronx. She loves to draw. That's Rose Busamra. I asked them to tell me a
0: little bit about Marleni and the story of Frizzy.
1: She loves her curly hair, but every Sunday her mom takes her to the salon to get it straightened, um, which she absolutely hates. And she copes by imagining herself as a superhero. She has this alter ego, but eventually she decides to go against her mom and secretly wear her hair curly one day. And after facing some bullying at school and even judgmental comments from her own family members, she gets the help of her cool Tia Ruby to not only learn how to care about her hair, but she teaches her that all hair is good and beautiful no matter what. Where would we be without the cool aunties of the world? I know, right? They are so, so important. And Tia Ruby was absolutely probably my favorite character to draw because, you know, I'm approaching 30 now, and I was once a confused 12-year-old like Marleni and um, wanted direction. So, yeah, I hope that uh, Tia Ruby can serve as... Uh, your cool dia if you don't have one.
0: <laughs> you mentioned the fact that Marlene's is kind of getting it from all sides about her hair. It seems like she might be might be either older elementary or middle school age. But the thing that really stabs is the way that her family, especially her mom, is always writing her about it. The view that that natural hair is not really presentable you bring a lot to Marleni's uh, sense of discomfort during these times in the book. It's it's in her facial expression for sure, but also in her physical posture and more. What were you drawing on when you were visualizing Marleni and her, I guess, her physical language?
1: Oh, well, first, thank you so much um, for the kind words. I mean, as a cartoonist, like that is always my number one goal is to make the reader feel it. And yeah, not Growing up Dominican American um, or even having curly hair, you know, I am non binary and I grew up having, you know, my family and even some of my friends, you know, telling me, you know, that's not real or, you know, um, getting it from all sides about that. So those feelings um, were definitely something I could identify with. Also, growing up, I grew up in Dearborn. I am Ar- Armenian and Lebanese. There was also a lot of. Um, Comments like that from my own family, not about hair, um, but just about appearances that were very confusing at the time for me. I'm half white, so I always thought I'm white. And then I would have my family telling me, no, you need to make your nose look smaller. You need to make your eyebrows smaller. It was comments like that that I didn't understand until much, much later that is rooted in your family members. They really want to protect you because Mm. in the past, They have faced prejudices coming to this country and being an outsider and being told to look a certain way or you will face prejudice or worse, you know, danger.
0: The beauty culture, the beauty culture that uh, can be so relentless.
1: Yes. And especially being uh, Marlene's age, like that, you know, uh, 11, 12 year old um, time when you're finally discovering kind of who you are and who you want to be and yet not always seeing Um, Who you are represented as beautiful Um, and it is really damaging. And especially when we don't always talk about it in our families. So, yeah, I think Clarabelle does such an incredible job at capturing those emotions of parental relationship, especially of this misunderstanding of, well, why is the way that I am naturally wrong?
0: You come at it with so much compassion for, you know, the adults in her life, too, though, understanding that. They had experiences, and there's this moment when Marleni's Tia Ruby is talking to her about there's things we learned from our parents, and they learned it from their parents, and the grandparents learned it from their parents. It yes. just really, it, I thought that was a a very generous way to way to talk about all this. Did you and 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 Bell Ortega have conversations about Marleni's world, and and just really, you know, really giving a a wraparound experience of Not just what one kid is going through, but kind of the way we all get down on ourselves?
1: Um, That is a great question, because in the very beginning, um, the way it works often when um, an artist and a writer are paired up on a project that has kind of already started. So basically, I was just given a script and was told to just go. So when I read the script, there was so much emotional context and visual context of Marlene's like inner feelings, whether it was in the text or in the script, like in the directions. So I felt like I got such a good sense. And yeah, Clarabelle's writing really helped make my job very easy when it came to conveying the emotions. Because yeah, I always knew, like, like I had said before, I could identify with those feelings of of really wanting to show the world who you are and yet you know you don't see it depicted in media or your friends and family are telling you um it's it's wrong in some way so yeah I just feel like I really immediately connected with that and then I was very very lucky to be able to go on tour with her um meet a lot of the frizzy people who worked on the book behind the scenes at first second and yeah we we did uh talk a lot about um how when I handed over the pencils for the first time, I was very nervous thinking they really put a lot of trust in me, um, you know, not having those conversations before I started drawing it. But Clarabelle, um told me that she was so emotional because, yeah, it was just very much like representative of of what she wanted the book to look like. Marlene
0: goes through some some hot minutes where she wishes she had her hair was fine or straight did you ever go through periods of of wanting to change things about yourself?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, when I was growing up, I had very 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 thick and dark hair, and I would shave my arms every day, and it was I remember being so painful, and even thinking there are kids with hairy arms too. Like why why do I feel like I have to do this? And I I remember it was a very specific age. Um, especially growing, you know, raised as a girl. Um, there's just so much pressure from, from everywhere, from everyone to just have very fine hair and, you know, no visible hair, like um, yeah, small eyebrows, uh, straight hair. Um, and just, there's so much confusion because no one is there unless you have a cool tea at Ruby. Um, no one is really there to say, um, this is okay. Actually, you are beautiful. So that's why I think this book is, is just so important because That feeling, even beyond hair, is, I think, experienced by a lot of kids. Can I ask what got you through that time? Oh, comics. (laughs) If it's any surprise, comics, um, absolutely. And making comics, I, at that age, like would always just, I was always drawing my own characters, um, going in my own world, exactly like Marlene does in the book. Um, She draws her little alter ego, and there's a great scene um, where she is drawing her alter ego and then it kind of uh shifts into um like a couple pages where it kind of looks like out of a superhero comic book where she's the main character and that was so (laughs) um little rose at that age i was just always like in my own little worlds right and now i get to do it for a living so it's pretty wonderful we need to take a
0: break more in just a moment Rose, how old do you think you were when you started bringing a a serious eye to your drawing and thinking, maybe I could make a go at this?
1: Yeah, so I, like I said, I grew up in Dearborn um, and I've just been drawing my entire life. And at a certain age, um, when it was time to kind of decide where I wanted to go to school, what I really wanted to study seriously, um, comics and cartoons didn't really seem like something that you could make um, a career out of at the time. There weren't um, a ton of graphic novels. A lot of the um, comics at the time, you know, the most popular ones, of course, were about superheroes. And I didn't have a huge interest in that. I grew up more on um, manga like Sailor Moon and things like that. Just more, you know, more unique kinds of stories, more, more focused on girls, more focused on magic, not so much superheroes. Um, And I just didn't know where I would fit there. So I actually went to um, Western Michigan University for um, fashion design, which was very informative. And I I definitely learned a lot. But the problem was when I should have been getting better at sewing, I was just drawing cartoons. And it took (laughs) a long time to realize that um, that's all I really want to do with my time. And um, so when I graduated, I just um, became a comic making machine and just worked really hard to get better at it while also working sometimes three jobs at a time. Um, but I got extremely lucky and, you know, um, got noticed by Kiara Valdez. Um, she is the editor of Frizzy. She works for Second Books. Um, she is excellent, like 100% has helped make Frizzy what it is and as amazing as it is. And yeah, she reached out to me she had actually seen my work on Twitter, and then I got sent the script, and I had a lot of questions, thinking, "Well, I'm not Dominican American, you know why? Why have I been chosen for this story?" Basically, but for a second, was my absolute dream uh, publisher. When I really started taking art seriously, I wanted to make graphic novels because I just love the possibility of the storytelling of telling a story beginning to end and having a like one book be just a full experience so frizzy was definitely that um when i read the script i was like this is beautiful this is amazing this is going to be like so important to so many kids so yeah that was kind of my little journey to getting there
0: so gutless is still involved in the pre-production process but i have seen a few panels and if the world of Frizzy is sort of a glory riot of, of curly hair and textured hair, then, then the heroes of Gutless and their world is, is kind of like a Garden of Eden. It's just so lush with waving grasses and twining vines around all the characters. Will you tell us a little bit about what the story
1: is about? Gutless was inspired more by um, the things that inspired me when I was growing up, Frizzy was a very fun departure from what I normally do, um, which is fantasy. So, Gutless was kind of what I came up with after I went to fashion school and realized I, you know, if I could make a comic, what would I make just for fun? What what tropes would I want to explore? What world would I want to live in? And again, growing up in Michigan, you know, we have lush forests and you know hills and even like mountains and rivers and lakes. So that is 100% what inspired the like visual world of Gutless. It tells the story of three outcasts. Milo is the main character. They are a wooden knight who is brought to life um, by a lonely princess named Juniper. Together with the last mermaid on earth, each one kind of has to break free from their little isolated lives to find community and belonging in a world threatened by a deadly and mysterious uh, blight. And it threatens all natural life. And they have to kind of get to the bottom of it.
0: Okay, knowing that you have a background in fashion design actually lights up a lot for me uh, from the panels that I have seen. so, Because the costuming is pretty great, too.
1: (laughs) Oh, thank you so much. Yeah, fashion just continues to inspire me. Um, I'm always looking at runway designs for um, inspirations. Did you do your own color work on gutless? I do
0: it's a pretty it's it's a really beautiful uh, warm palette. I feel like everything I've seen so far, I know it's not actually possible that the entire story takes place during a gorgeous sunset, but that might give people a <laughs> sense of the look of things. How would you describe the look that that you that you're drawn to in color?
1: I think it it really just depends on the project um, like for Frizzy. I knew that um, being a middle grade book um, and also having, you know, the very, um, you know, frizzy touches on some very intense um, subjects, um, anti-Blackness and prejudice and internalized racism. So I really wanted to approach it with um, really straightforward, uh, straightforward, but like very still beautiful palette. Um, And it being my first graphic novel, I kind of went with my just my favorite colors which are pink and purple Um, but so a lot of the book is very pink and very purple but yeah for Gutless it's completely different so it's so much more about feeling immersed in the world rather than feeling immersed in the characters even though Gutless is very heavy in the internal um, psychological character journeys I wanted I want it to feel very like colorful and like real and lush especially because there is um like I said a blight that threatens all natural life and the color of that kind of slowly takes over as the book goes along each project each each comic like I feel like the mood and the content really like dictates what the colors are going to look like so it's kind of like starting over every time, which is can be very, very daunting. <laughs> um, but it's also really fun.
0: Rose will be signing copies of the Spanish-language version of the book. It's called Rizos this coming Saturday, tomorrow at Dearborn's Green Brain Comics. That's the Stateside podcast for today. I'm April Baer. You can find full stateside episodes at michiganradio.org. We also hope you'll check out our podcast series, Doe Dynasty. You can subscribe to its specific feed so you won't miss any of the episodes. Today's pod was produced by Rachel Ishikawa. Other producers on our show are Mike Blank, Ronia Cabansag, Mercedes Mejia, and April Van Buren. Our intern is Olivia Meradian. Our executive producer is Laura Weber Davis. Music for the pod comes from Blue Dot Sessions and from Audio Network. Thanks for listening. We'll catch up with you next week. Bye-bye.